0: Welcome to the Liquid Church Podcast, a place where you can hear the timeless truth of God's Word in a way that's culturally relevant and cutting edge. Today, you're tuning in for our holiday series, A Christmas Carol, based off the Charles Dickens classic novel. 2020 has been a difficult year that triggers the inner Scrooge in all of us, but we're going to learn how to trade in our bah humbug attitude for the true joy of Christmas. It's our hope this message will help you discover how God's story relates to your own and that you'll leave feeling encouraged. Thanks for joining us today and enjoy the message
1: meet ebenezer scrooge an old miser who hates christmas Humbug. it's a story that has captured the imagination for generations through his encounter with a ghost of christmas past present and future he finds redemption and transformation For many, the most wonderful time of the year isn't so wonderful. A painful past or our own insecurities can overshadow the joy of God in our lives. What if this year could look different? Confront your inner Ebenezer with God's amazing grace. With the Spirit's help, you can trade your bar humbug for the true joy of Christmas. A Christmas Carol.
0: All right, what's up, everybody? Welcome to Liquid Church. My name is Nathan, and I am one of the pastors here. And today we'll be wrapping up a series called A Christmas Carol. By the way, I also wanted to remind you that this Thursday, December 24th, we will be celebrating Christmas Eve. Now, who's excited about Christmas Eve, right? Yeah, I'm super excited. If you want any information on Christmas Eve, go ahead and go to liquidchurch.com slash Christmas Eve and we have all the information and in the times and things like that. Well, listen, guys, I hope you've been enjoying this series as much as I have. You know, Pastor Kyra kicked us off with a great message on overcoming our offenses. We learned an important truth. Your life is too short, your calling too great, to stay chained to the past. And then Pastor Tim preached an incredible message last week called How to Forgive What You Can't Forget. And, you know, Pastor Tim shared a couple of comments from Facebook when he asked the question, what is the most difficult forgiveness issue you've ever had to deal with? And, you know, some of you shared some pretty harrowing things. You talked about forgiving a spouse who was unfaithful or a coworker who who messed with you or maybe even a business partner or a family member that cheated you. And, you know, we had a powerful time of actually prayer for them because you can't hate people that you pray for. And you release them to God and you forgave them from your heart. I'll tell you what, you know, for me, it was super helpful to realize that forgiveness is not the same thing as reconciliation. Forgiveness is a one-player game. It's between you and God. But it's not the same thing as reconciliation. So before you you can have reconciliation, you need to have forgiveness. They are two sides of the same coin. And that's what I want to talk about today. How to give the gift of reconciliation. Reconciliation. You know, this isn't like a PlayStation 3 or a Nintendo Switch or even getting someone a Baby Yoda. (laughs) This gift is much more precious. It's a gift that you don't just give to someone else, but it's actually a gift you also give to yourself. And the truth is, many of us don't know how to give this gift because it can feel kind of awkward, a little unnatural to give a gift to someone who you've hurt. But there is good news. Jesus actually teaches us how to do this in Matthew 5, verses 23 to 24. In fact, why don't we go ahead and read that together. It says this, Therefore, if you're offering your gift at the altar, and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them. Then come and offer your gift. Let's pause for a second here. Guys, this teaching is super, super practical. Here we are in church or church online, and Jesus says, if you're offering your gift at the altar, or if you're going to church, you log into church online, you're watching on demand, or maybe you're here live in person, you're raising your hands in worship, you're jumping up and down, getting your dance on, and you're bringing your worship, your gift to God, and there you remember that your brother has something against you. Now this could be a biological brother or sister, it could be someone in your spiritual family, someone in your small group, someone who's close to you, a friend, a coworker, family member, and you remember, oh, they're still mad about that conversation we had at Thanksgiving. Ugh. Or, or, or maybe you remember someone who was offended by something you posted on social media. It, it, Jesus says, there's a relationship out there in your life, and it's, it's kind of funky. It's kind of incomplete. It, it feels weird or tense, and he says this. He says, leave your gift at the altar. First, go and be—what's that word, church? Reconciled to your brother, then come— and offer your gift. In other words, don't, don't just start, you know, having a Christmas gift exchange, right? Reconciliation means restoring or fixing a relationship that's broken or needs mending. Revisiting what's happened, making things good with your brothers, because when you make things good with them, you actually begin to make things good with God. You can actually worship again. You know, Jesus teaches us how to do this. You know, when we look at how Jesus forgave our sins, one of the things we realize is there's two dimensions. There is a vertical dimension, and then there's a horizontal dimension. The cross reconciles or repairs our relationships with God. That's that vertical dimension that we see here. But then there's that horizontal dimension with with one another. Because we can't be good with God and bad with others. But that's a lot easier said than done. I want you to take a look at what my friend Rob here says. He says, The most difficult part of reconciliation is getting started. Facing the buried emotions that are tied to the event. I thought I was afraid of their response. I was really avoiding how I felt about my actions. Fortunately, God said, go ahead. I, I-, I love this because he's having that realization that, Oh, oh my gosh, like, this is something I need to do. I need to correct. Or or check out what Jackie said. Jackie says this. She says, it's the possibility of rejection, and that I was not in control of the outcome. And and I get that, right? We're afraid that we don't know how the process is going to end. We don't know. We're not in control of it. But like Jesus says, as soon as we realize we've done something wrong, that's when we got to move. And I really think that there are at least three reasons why people are afraid to reconcile. I think a big reason is fear, right? Afraid of confrontation uh, and how the other person's gonna react. I mean, what if what if they don't own their part? Uh, what if we're vulnerable and now we've given them more, you know, you know, ammo to attack us or hurt us? Or sometimes it's shame. Shame is this intensely painful feeling or experience, of believing that we're messed up and not worthy of love or belonging. And then there's that pain. We don't want to expose ourselves to being hurt again. If you make yourself vulnerable, you open yourself up to, to hurt and pain and attack. You know, it's easier, actually, to just not seek reconciliation. And just got to let things be. Because you've seen people go through breakups in their marriage. They went to a counselor. They tried reconciliation. It actually made things worse, and the marriage fell apart anyway. Maybe you've never seen true reconciliation. Maybe your parents didn't really do conflict at home, and so it never seemed like there was any issues that ever were happening. Or one of the reasons— we don't seek reconciliation is that we haven't forgiven ourselves for what we've done. We're not even reconciled with ourselves. In fact, when Pastor Tim asked last week, what was the hardest forgiveness issue you had to deal with? You know what came up about a third of the time? See, the most difficult part, the most difficult question people had was, how do I forgive myself? How do I let myself off? In fact, here's an example from Charlie. Charlie says this. He says, Forgiving myself for the disgusting things I've done in my past. I mean, that's shame right there. He's feeling so unworthy and unlovable, he can't even forgive himself. Or or take Kim. Kim says this, Forgiving myself for my marriage falling apart and getting divorced. Here's a sister in Christ who's in so much pain. Pain from the divorce, and she blames herself for it. She's like, I don't even have to, I I, I have to not only forgive my ex, but I have to forgive myself. You know, some of you said to me, Nathan, I can forgive what other people have done to me more than I can forgive myself. It's hard. Can we acknowledge it? It's hard to forgive ourselves. And for some of us, the reason is unbelief. We actually can't believe God would be willing to forgive us. And I really think that that's not actually a uh, forgiveness issue. It's a faith issue. Because we're not choosing to trust in God's goodness or his grace. Or maybe it's out of guilt and shame. We're like, I don't deserve to be forgiven. You don't know what I did. I don't deserve God's forgiveness. It's guilt and shame. But guys, I want you to know that there's a difference between guilt and shame. Guilt says, I made a mistake. Shame says, I am the mistake. See, guilt is actually godly sorrow. Shame is toxic. And godly guilt can lead us to repent. That means turn away from our sin and embrace God's forgiveness. While shame keeps us chained where we're marinating in self-condemnation. And it says, God can't possibly forgive me. I, I didn't just screw up. I am the screw up. But really, I think the root of both those things is pride. Pride's the reason we have a hard time forgiving ourselves. You know, pride doesn't just look like, you know, hey, I'm all puffed up, but it actually can look like insecurity. But guys, you need to know the truth. God sent Jesus into our world to die for your sins, to forgive your sins through his death on the cross once and for all. In fact, Scripture teaches us that Jesus is the ultimate judge. And if the judge of the universe has declared you not guilty, you're not guilty. You're loved and you're fully accepted by God. But then pride kind of works its way in. And you see, what, pride, what happens when we refuse to figure, forgive ourselves is this. It's like, you know what, Jesus? You're really not the ultimate judge. <laughs> There's a judge that's higher than you. It's me. I'm actually the one sitting on the the judgment seat, not Jesus. And when we realize that we are sitting on the throne, that's when we need to get off and let Jesus be the true judge. Because Jesus doesn't just declare you forgiven. You know what he also says? He says you're pure. He says you're clean. Remember the promise? Though your sins be as red as scarlet, I will wash them white as— What's that, church? Go ahead, type it in the chat. Snow. So Pastor Tim talked about last week when we mess up and we fail and we fall, Jesus invites us to live in the snow globe. Listen to the promise we have in 1 John 1.9. It says this, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. See, I think the problem is we have a hard time accepting God's forgiveness. We have a hard time believing that Jesus could actually make us clean by what he did for us on the cross. In fact, that's how Katie felt. Katie actually wrote that the hardest part of forgiveness was this. It was forgiving myself. I had to learn that that was pride. That with Christ dead on the cross covers all. Who am I to say it's too much? We have to get over ourselves and accept. What's that word, church? Grace. Guys, we got to get over ourselves and accept God's grace. It's not about us. It's about Jesus. Amen. And maybe you're here today. And you did something wrong and it's so terrible, it's actually defined your life. It's like your life is divided before the event and then after the event. And you may not even feel forgiven. You may not even feel clean and you can't change what happened, but you can choose to forgive yourself. You know, Pastor Tim said that forgiveness is not a feeling, but it's a decision that you make and a process you enter in. Because here's the truth. Here's the big idea. You can't change your past, but God can transform your future. Go ahead and type in transform in the chat right now. See, that's the gift that God wants you to embrace today. The gift of a new future. In fact, that's exactly what Ebenezer Scrooge was discovering. Because of the hurts and the wounds of his past, Scrooge's refusal to forgive himself actually led to bitterness and resentment. And he showed that towards anyone around him, whether it was his nephew Fred or even the poor. Scrooge actually said it's better for the poor to just die off limit the surplus. Then the ghosts of Christmas, past and present, show up to confront Scrooge. They confront his cruelty. They're showing Scrooge a time when he enjoyed relationships with others, the air of his ways. In fact, his heart starts to soften. All of this was building up to the meeting with the final ghost, which is the ghost of Christmas yet to come. when we first meet this ghost of Christmas yet to come, he he comes as a shadow, and he slowly grows over Scrooge, and it actually dwarfs him. This ghost terrifies Scrooge. He's silent in a shadow because he represents the uncertainty of the future. And then what he does is he reveals to Scrooge a future if he doesn't mend his ways, which is a lonely, terrifying death. Scrooge is confronted with this death as he's hanging over his grave, and he's telling the Spirit, Spirit, I'll change. If you give me more time, I'll live differently. I'll honor Christmas in my heart. Just give me a second chance. But it doesn't seem like the ghost of Christmas yet to come really cares, as he eventually pushes Scrooge down into a hole into a fiery grave. Now listen, I'll admit, whenever I see that, I kind of smile a little bit. I know it's sick. I cheer on the inside. That's why I need Jesus, folks. Because Scrooge is getting exactly what he deserves. The justice part of me is like, yeah, that's right. But guys, I had a really unsettling thought the other day when I was watching a Christmas carol, you know what it was? It was this. What if, what if I'm Scrooge? Or or what if you're Scrooge? Now maybe we don't hate people or humanity, but you know, you know, I'm not rich or moody. (laughs) But I've had Scrooge-like tendencies in my life where I've hurt people. People have hurt me. I've pushed them away. I bury my wounds down. What if I'm the one that needs to change and actually needs to seek reconciliation? The truth is, It won't be easy. It won't be quick. It may take time. But this Christmas, you can actually give the gift of reconciliation. Now, how do we do that? How do we actually walk this out? Well, I want to show you five simple steps. Like Tim said last week, these steps are simple, (laughs) but they are not simplistic. They're hard to do. So if you're taking notes, the first step is you need to own your specific actions and attitudes. Own your actions and your attitudes. Let's look at verse 23. It says this, Therefore, if you're offering your gift at the altar there, and remember that your brother or sister has something against you, this is when we need to come to someone and actually own what we've done. It's when we say, hey, listen, I have a gift for you. I'm finally going to own my crap. You stepped in it, but uh, I said it. Notice that I'm not bringing up what the other person did. Oh, you know, I'm not telling. Well, you did this, and that got me mad. That's why I did what I did. No, no, you gotta, you gotta own your actions and attitudes. You know, a friend of mine once told me recently that when she became aware of how she, her actions had hurt a coworker, she sent a handwritten letter where she actually owned her part in it, and she sent it, but she never got a response, and she kind of felt disappointed by it. But she's like, you know, I did what God asked me to do, so I, I'm, I'm being obedient. But guys, to really own specific actions or attitudes means that you have to speak it out or write it out. You have to be clear and specific because there's nothing worse than a fake or general apology. You guys know what I mean by that? When someone says to you, you know, I'm I'm sorry you took it that way. (laughs) I mean, mean, that's passive aggressive. Now you're actually putting it on the other person rather than owning it yourself. It's like saying, yeah, I'm really sorry. (laughs) I'm really sorry that you made me buy this gift for you. (laughs) Guys, be specific. Be specific when you're owning your part. You know, you may want to minimize it and tell someone, you're just overreacting, it's not that big of a deal. Or maybe your apology could be too generic You say, I'm really sorry for what happened. But you know, can we just get past this? Can we just move on? Because here's the thing, we are coming at this from a a conditional perspective. We actually want the other person to respond in a certain way. So we're trying to be manipulative. Guys, you got to come with your gift and say, hey, I offer this to you, no strings attached. And, and, and here's the thing. I'm going to be completely vulnerable with you. You can do whatever you want with this, but I need you to know that I'm owning this. In fact, why don't we all say these three words that can literally transform everything. It's the words, I own it. Ready? On the count of three. Ready? One, two, three. I own it. Turn to your neighbor and say, I own it. Type in the chat, I own it. And here's the truth. They may not receive it. They may not react well, but that's Okay. You have to do your part that God's calling you to do, and you have to own it. You have to own your specific actions and attitudes. Be specific. Because guys, healing comes when we can be specific, when we can name the painful things that we've done. And listen, I know it can be painful, and it can be discouraging, but remember, remember this, hold on to this promise. You can't change your past, but God can transform your future. When we can own what we've done, The next step, step number two, is to don't make excuses. Don't make excuses. Jesus says that as soon as you know that someone has something against you, you got to leave your gift at the altar and go fix it. Don't minimize it. Don't rationalize it. You just got to own it. I know that, you know, I've talked to many guys who, during the season of COVID, have been struggling with overwork. I mean, they've kind of always struggled with it. But now with COVID and, you know, you're constantly always working, always at home, it's been nonstop always working at the office or at home, answering emails while eating dinner. And sometimes when the wife confronts them, they start to make excuses. They'll say, well, honey, this is my job. Like, it's really demanding right now. This is the season we're in. Like, I've got to pay the bills. You know, we got to keep the roof over our head. I don't have any control over this. But if we take that kind of attitude, we actually won't lead into reconciliation. you got to own it. you got to say, listen, I was selfish. I was actually feeling more fulfilled at work than, actually, than I did at home. Honey, I'm I'm sorry I was wrong, period, full stop. Feels awkward, doesn't it? It's vulnerable. You kind of want to say something to kind of let yourself off the hook, but you can't do that because reconciliation requires you to drop your excuses. All the rationalizations, and be vulnerable, you're actually taking your sin and you're putting it into someone else's hands. And they could use it as a weapon against you. And it's completely human to want to go on the defensive. Look, like when you've hurt someone, you have to own the hurt that you caused. Maybe you don't see it the same way they did, but you hurt them. So stop justifying it. Stop justifying how you hurt them and, and own it completely. And what you'll find, that there's a gift there, when you can own it and not make excuses, and you can share it. I was thinking of a, a story that Pastor Andy Stanley shares when he would do marriage counseling. What he would do is he'd have these couples who were struggling, they'd come to meet with him, and what he would have each of them do is to draw a circle on a piece of paper and make a pie chart. And he would tell the husband, he hand him a mark and say, I want you to actually like X off the part that, you know, is your part of it, like your problem. And so the husband's like, well, I'll be generous. I think maybe four or five percent's my, my role in this. You know, and then, and then the wife does her part. And then Andy says, okay, here's what we're going to do. We are going to spend the rest of our time only talking about your five percent. <laughs> and he says that, you know, the guy never wants to do it. He's like, oh, no, it's not my fault, it's her. She's the 95 percent they don't want to ever talk about their own part. It's like they just want to focus on what their partner is doing wrong, how they're messing up. But if they do that, it will short-circuit the healing process, and reconciliation can't happen because they care more about being right than in being in a relationship. But listen, if you want to heal the relationships in your life, rebuild your marriage, your friendships, stop making excuses for why you said what you said or why you did what you did, Be specific. Own your attitudes and your actions. And then number three, accept the consequences. You may not think that the way the other person is responding is fair or in proportion to your offense, but you need to respect and honor their boundaries that they've set. I think so many of us want to be like, okay, okay, I'm ready to give my gift. I've been praying about this. I I wrote out what I'm going to say. I'm going to own my stuff. And then maybe afterwards we can go Christmas shopping. But the truth is, sometimes things may not go as well as you want them to go. Even if you're talking to someone who's another believer, it may not end the way you want. And maybe you leave feeling unsatisfied because they didn't receive your gift. Because you had this underlying motive. Guys, when you bring your gift, remember, no strings attached. They may receive it, then awesome, praise God. Or they may reject it. You have to be okay to accept the consequences, no matter what even if it's a consequence that we don't like. You know, sometimes I get asked uh, by folks to to mentor them. And so I remember this young man asked if I would mentor him. And I said, yeah, absolutely. You know, we we said, hey, why don't we set up a time after the second service to meet up? Uh, This is pre-COVID where we had more, you know, the ability to do that. And I remember the first day we were set to meet, uh, I, I lost track of the time and I ended up being 30 minutes late. And then the second week happened, and I I realized, oh, man, I was late again, and I felt really bad, and I apologized. He said, "That's it's it's, it's okay. Well, week three happened, and I realized that I was actually 45 minutes late, and when I finally got there, he was gone. So, you know, I reached out to him, and I said, oh, my gosh, I am so sorry for being late. You know, will you forgive me? And he said to me, "You, you know, Pastor Nathan." I gotta be honest with you, it took me a lot of energy to reach out to you because, you know, you know, my dad had passed away and I was really looking for some um, men to mentor me. And so it took a lot of energy to reach out to you to to, to do that. And I'll be honest, when you kept being late, I felt like I wasn't a priority to you. I just felt really, really hurt by it. Guys, can I just be really honest with with you? (laughs) At that moment, this is how I felt. I just felt really annoyed. I'm like, you are being so sensitive. Like, come on, man. This is it's just being late. It's not a big deal. Yeah, I struggle with time management a little bit, but, you know, just, just get over it. And, and then I realized, wait a minute. Like, what's wrong with me? Like, why am I responding to this way? Like, this guy was having the courage to step out, to reach out, to, to you know, actually putting his trust in me. And I let him down. And then I realized, man, I was being such a bad pastor. I was actually adding to his trauma, adding to his hurt. So I said, gosh, I'm so, so sorry. Will you, will you forgive me? And he looks at me and says, you know, Pastor Nathan, I appreciate you asking me to forgive you. Absolutely, I'll forgive you. But I'll be honest, I don't, I don't think I want to meet with you again. I just, I don't think I, you know, I just feel hurt guys this happened a couple years ago it still stings when I think about this story I think about I really hurt this guy I, I broke his trust I kind of share with you something that I learned I learned that trust is something that's gained in inches but it's lost in yards reconciliation is about rebuilding trust and you know rebuilding trust takes time that will mean that you'll have to accept the consequences of what you did So be prepared. Things may not go the way you want them to go, but that doesn't mean that defines your future. You can't change your past, but God can what? That's right, transform your future. Guys, you don't have to wait for the other person to forgive you to start the reconciliation process. You go to them as soon as the Spirit prompts you. Remember, forgiveness is a choice, not a feeling. The same is true with reconciliation. You choose to take the first step. That's what Jesus says. He says, go and be reconciled. Go, take that first step, and eventually you'll get to the next one, which is to make it right. Maybe you think, oh, Nathan, it's too late. I messed up. I messed all. I I can't fix it. I I just got to move on. Or, Or maybe you did try. You tried to make things right, but they didn't respond the way you wanted them to, so you just gave up. And Maybe they put some boundaries in your life and they said, you can't get back into my life until you change your behavior, change how you've been acting and and living. So you're doing everything that you can to make things right. Or maybe you think the damage is so bad. How how can I possibly rebuild this? Guys, Jesus isn't saying that you need a blueprint for the whole thing. He's asking you to take the first step. He says, first, go and be reconciled to your brother. Then come and offer your gift you betrayed a close friend of yours because they discovered that you were gossiping behind their backs. Well, you have an opportunity now to build them up publicly whenever you talk about them, to esteem them in front of other people. You can make things right with your friend. Or maybe you mocked a coworker because of their accent or English wasn't their first language and you realize, man, like you had this like false belief that because someone has an accent or they don't talk the same way that they do, that they, what they say doesn't matter, even though they speak two languages and you barely speak one. But you want to make it right. So you make sure that you listen to that voice of your coworker and you allow their voice to have an impact. You highlight that. You know, we see Scrooge making things right in A Christmas Carol. You know, after Scrooge's visit with the ghost, he wakes up and he realizes he hasn't missed Christmas morning. He hadn't missed it, and, and there's been this transformation in Scrooge. He's got this, uh, this spirit of generosity. He gives over an abundance to the poor. He's been transformed on the inside, and it leads him to seek reconciliation on the outside. Scrooge knows that he can't change his past, but God can transform his future. Scrooge goes on to his nephew Fred's house for Christmas, and at first they're like, we don't know what to do, Scrooge is here, but then they welcome him with open arms, they invite him to come in, and they're just celebrating that Scrooge is there with them, and they have a feast together, and it is a time of celebration because Scrooge is a changed man. Not only that, uh, Scrooge pays for Tiny Tim's surgery, and he becomes like a second father to him. Scrooge goes above and beyond. He doesn't just feel bad, but he actually moves to action, which brings us to the final step, which is to ask for forgiveness. You might think, well, Nathan, isn't this last step inconsequential? Because if I'm doing the first four, do I really need to ask for it? Can I just say, though, there's something powerful about humbling yourself and asking for forgiveness. You know, it reminds me of the story of a guy named Joe Avila. You've probably never heard of Joe, but Joe grew up having a history of drug and alcohol abuse. It all came to a head one night in 1993 where Joe got into a car accident. It was actually a hit and run. He, he hit someone and he left and he found out later he killed a 17-year-old girl named Amy Wall. When Joe appeared before the judge, the judge saw that he had such issues with chronic alcohol uh, abuse that he gave him the maximum sentence of 12 years. While Joe was in prison, he felt such an intense regret and shame actually dealing with this dark side of who he was, he actually attempted to take his life. He said, I I can't live with myself. I can't can't bear the shame. But he was spared. And Joe gave his life to Jesus, became a follower of Christ. And from that moment on, there was this transformation that took place. He, He almost became like a Joseph. Who was one of the most trusted prisoners? Uh, he cared for the other prisoners. The guards trusted him. He, in fact, he was able to earn an early release. But he never forgot about Amy's family and the hurt that he caused them. And he started to pray, God, if there's any way, can you can you bring reconciliation and healing to that family? And through a mentor, um, Amy's brother, reached out to him. And they sat across from one another and Joe had to listen as Amy's brother shared what his sister meant to him. How she was always there sticking up for him and always leading him on these fun adventures and as, as her brother is sharing these things Joe begins to, to weep. And when her brother finished, Joe asked, I know I, I know I don't deserve to ask for this, but could you forgive me? And Amy's brother forgave Joe. A couple months later, Amy's father approached Joe about meeting, and they sat at a table where Joe was on one side and her dad was on the other. And her dad started to explain just what Amy meant to him, how, you know, he would visit Amy, her grave on her birthday, but also on her, her death day. I mean, can you imagine sitting across the table from the man who took the life of your daughter? And so Joe is listening to Amy's dad talk about Amy. And Joe doesn't even know how to ask the question, how do I ask this man to forgive me for taking the life of his daughter? And then before Joe knew what was happening, Amy's dad got up, went across the table, and embraced Joe and said, I forgive you. Joe broke down, because in that moment, it was a holy moment, God had reconciled them. Joe will tell you, it's painful to seek reconciliation. You have to deal with some of the dark parts of the things that you've done, and then submit them to Christ, but Joe and the Wall family were able to experience the gift of reconciliation, and it led To healing. The gift of reconciliation brought healing to both Joe and the Wall family. In fact, God's been using Joe at a ministry called uh, Prison Fellowship, where he's able to actually introduce other prisoners to the power and the forgiveness and the reconciliation that comes from Jesus. Now listen, I know some of you, your hurt may not be nearly as heavy or as tragic as that, but it's still a big deal. I wonder, who is God asking you to give the gift of reconciliation to this Christmas? What if you actually decided to take these steps? You actually decided to own your specific actions and attitudes. You were going to not make excuses, accept the consequences, start to make it right, ask for forgiveness. What would happen? You know, when Scrooge first meets the ghost of Christmas yet to come, he asks this question. He asks, are these the shadows of the things that will be? Or are they shadows of the things that may be only? Meaning, will these definitely happen, or can I change the outcome? Listen, guys, I have really good news for you this Christmas. Because even though you can't change your past, God can transform Your future. You can give the gift of reconciliation today. And listen, they may not reciprocate it right away, but give it time. Take the initiative. Do what God has asked you to do right now. Listen, the consequences, they may still be painful. Trust is going to need to be rebuilt, and it will be agonizingly slow. But you can begin the process of healing right now. So I gotta ask, is there someone that you need to make things right with? Is there a future with them that looks bleak? But you could change it. A family member maybe you, you cut off because of who they voted for. A coworker that took credit for a project you spent <laughs> your entire life working on. Or maybe it was a friend that you had a falling out with. And right now God's bringing them to mind to begin to fix that breach. So Sometimes, you know, when I end a message, I'll invite you to pray. We'll do communion or we'll sing a song. But today, I actually want to worship in the most practical way possible. I actually want to do what Jesus says right here in Matthew 23. Remember? If you are offering your gift at the altar, and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift in the front of the altar. First go and be reconciled. And then come and offer your gift. So here we are. We're at the altar, God's house. Wherever you're watching right now, it's a holy altar. And I'm guessing the Holy Spirit has been speaking to you today. Maybe in this very moment, you realize that there's someone in your life who has something against you. Or maybe there's some unfinished business with someone. Well, this is the moment that we're going to take Jesus at his word. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to go ahead and take out your phone. Everyone got a phone? Great. This is what I want you to do. I want you to text that person right now. I want you to say something like, here I am at church. Um, God's put it on my heart. I really want to ask your forgiveness. Can we talk? Go ahead. Let's all take, our, our, take one or two minutes right now to, to send that text. It's the first step to reconciliation. Go get your phones out, everybody, wherever you're watching. Maybe you're kind of wondering, why are we doing this? Well, we're doing this because we're followers of Jesus, our Savior, who took the initiative to enter our world, to forgive our sins and reconcile us to God. Think about that. Jesus restored your broken relationships, that vertical element. And now Jesus wants to repair your relationships with others, the horizontal. So why don't you take another couple moments— Finish up your text. Awesome. So let's do something really brave right now. You ready? We're going to hit send together. Okay? I'm going to count to three, and then we're going to hit send. Okay, ready? One, two, three, and send. (laughs) And now, let's pray. Let's ask the Spirit of Jesus to go ahead of us as God delivers the gift of reconciliation. Holy Spirit, we just want to invite you right now, God, that you would go before us, that you'd go and speak to family members, to friends, to neighbors, that we need to make things right with. Lord, you've made things right with us. You sent your Son to die for us. You forgave our sins. You reconciled us with yourself. You've reconciled us with ourselves. And so now, God, would you give us the courage to push forward and to reconcile ourselves with those that we've hurt. Help us to take ownership, to not minimize it, to not rationalize it, but to own it, to move forward so that we can see these relationships flourish the way you've made them to. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. If you want to check out Liquid Church for a weekend service, small group outreach, or clean water trip, you can find out more about us online at liquidchurch.com. And if you enjoyed the podcast, go ahead and subscribe or share it with your friends. Thanks again for listening.